Thank you for pressing start on episode three of Underplayed, KZUM's indie video game podcast. In this episode, we each have a secret game in review, and then we're taking a cooperative look at Manifold Garden, developed by William Cheer Studio. I'm Bopo, and joining me is my player two, Mr. Disco Cola. How are you? I'm, Disco? Do, I'm doing all right, Bopo. Mr. Poe, op, <laughs> if I may. <laughs> oh, I like that. It's very clever. <laughs> uh, well, glad you're here for episode three. Here on Underplayed, we cover indie video games, which we adore because of their artistry, innovation, and pure fun. Let's just get right into it by reviewing our secret games. Secret games. Secret games. I know you're playing without me. Secret games. Well, I'm here to tell you, baby. Secret games. I've been playing too. Secret games. Secret Games is a segment where we each play an indie game on our own time in secret. Here on the show, we reveal and review what we played to each other. We have no idea what the other person has played, and our only rule here is that we cover an indie game that we have not featured before. So, Disco Cola, you've had some free time to play something, and I have no idea what it could be. What is your secret game for episode three of Underplayed? Well... Okay, I want to preface this by saying that we normally try to play games that we haven't played before, and I sort of kind of hem and, hemmed and hawed with you ahead of time to sort of like potentially prepare you. Now, um, it is totally game to play, replay a game that we've played in the past on our own time before we even did this show. The only rule is we haven't talked about it on this program yes. before. And so that's still clear, the case. That's still the case. I did I did have a game in mind that was going to pair really well with Manifold Garden, but due to financial constraints, I was able unable to purchase the game. Uh, and I didn't have enough time for my other unplayed games in my library. Like, I looked at my whole library, and all of them were going to take it just too long. Games, long yeah. games. And, you know, when, when it's a secret game, you know, you want to devote that time to the main game, the main cooperative review game, you sometimes I have to yep. pick a shorter one. Yep. I understand that. So. so all that being said, my secret game is a game that I've played before, and that game is Machinarium. Oh! And so I... Awesome. It's it's a I game that it. I always wanted to talk about on Underplayed, but when I was like, ah, oh, we should play, you know, talk about games we haven't played before, um, that, that sort of like bummed me out a little bit that I wouldn't get to talk about Machinarium, but I... I'm finding myself doing it anyway. So, anyways, that's a game we're both at least moderately familiar with, but I haven't played it in about two years, and and I'd only played it twice total before this uh, this recording session. So, uh, Machinarium, that's a point-and-click adventure game from Amanita Design. Uh, you play as a little, like, rudimentary robot named Yosef, uh, which you don't actually find out in the game anywhere, as far as I know. Um, the game opens with Yosef in pieces being spit out of like this fly-shaped vehicle and into a dump outside of the city. Uh, and the first puzzle is simply you trying to put yourself back together so you can uh, begin making your way back into the city. The next puzzle has you using items in the area to sort of figure out how to make a disguise uh, and and from there, the variety in puzzles grows as wide as the variety in all of the different NPC character designs. Puzzles vary from playing a game of Space Invaders to 
uh, tricking a mechanical cat into incapacitating itself. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a wide variety of, of puzzle experiences. You learn through progression and at sometimes uh, idle animations, Yosef and his girlfriend Berta um, are often bullied by these characters that are part of the Black Cap Brotherhood. These guys sort of play like regular bullies to me, but they might actually be meant to represent like a gang or even a terrorist group, you know, just based on some of their actions at times. So uh, it's hard to say things in this game are sort of shown to you instead of told. So most everything is really built on context. Um, However, the story doesn't really play any bigger role than providing you with a goal. The real value is in the puzzles, the visual representation of the world, and the music. Now, I'm often quick to say that Machinarium is one of my favorite games of all time, uh, but I have to say, playing this again, I have a little bit of a different opinion. So let's get into a little bit of a mud sandwich here. Okay. Visually, I think this game is very appealing. Uh, It has sort of like a a hand-pen-sketched look, uh, as do most of the Amanita design games. I would even say that that's sort of like the, the defining characteristic of this developer. However, at times, it isn't always clear when elements are meant to be interacted with. So while that does mean that visually everything in the world is really consistent, uh, it does leave you combing the entire screen at times looking for just anything you can click on, which is maybe the nature of point-and-click adventures anyway. Um, But that, that can be tedious at times. The puzzles. This is the mud. Uh, Some of these are really interesting and bizarre. I'm thinking mainly of like a series of puzzles to uh, get you to repair a street band's instruments. Um, some puzzles though are unlikely to feasibly be figured out without a guide. Some of these puzzles stuck with me after the first time playing it because of that. Um, but there are a few puzzles that are just absolutely infuriating every single time you do them. It doesn't matter if you have the guide or not. That being said, the game has a built in like solution. Like you have to play a little mini game to unlock the solution to the puzzle if you find yourself stuck for a very long time. Um, so that's that's a nice treat. Not a lot of puzzle games do that. But the reason that I've always been such an advocate for this game is the music. The soundtrack of Machinarium is done by Thomas Dvorak, otherwise known as Floex. Uh, and this video game soundtrack is my absolute favorite of all time. Uh, and I've, I've learned in recent years that I'm not alone in that either. So... In the end, when I scale for how much I like the soundtrack, I have to give this game an 8 out of 10. Visually, still super appealing. Um, Very creative puzzles, even the ones that are super infuriating. But um, when I I consider the soundtrack in its whole, it boosts the score to a 9. So real answer is 8, but uh, I will always love it that much more because of the music. But... I'm finding that maybe just I don't love puzzle games that much. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it still fits kind of with our cooperative review game that you picked a puzzle game. It right. might might look very different. The way you interact with this game's world is different than that of Manifold Garden, but I think this is a great pick for this episode. Fascinating that this has your favorite soundtrack in games. I didn't know that previously, and you and I have talked about this game quite a bit makes sense that that would bump your rating up so high despite some of the flaws you saw this time. And I'm sorry you saw those. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you noticed those a little bit. I, I've i played this game too, and I've never finished it, actually. I, I understand it's a short game, like you mentioned, um, but 
I found a lot of the puzzles kind of obtuse in their solutions and stuff, and I remember looking up stuff, um, not necessarily with the in-game help, but actually just consulting a guide. But I do remember some of the puzzles do stick in my mind. Um, puzzles where Yosef grows and shrinks in various combinations, mm-hmm. you know, like because he's a robot that can kind of scrunch down to the floor in a flat fashion, or he can grow his legs and kind of just become this really tall guy. Yeah, like his his little cylinder torso telescopes. Yes, that's a great way to put it. The telescoping added some uh, really memorable character visuals and allows you to interact with puzzles in kind of this vertical fashion at some points. Some of those puzzles, again, are really hard to figure out on your own, might take a lot of experimentation and just guessing and checking. I remember doing guessing and checking in this game quite a bit and doing that thing that I find myself doing in not just puzzle games, but a lot of point and click adventure games where I'm just clicking everything on the screen and dragging items to every other item on the screen and seeing what works. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is what I would call kind of like the experimentation of solving the puzzles in this game for me is like that guessing and checking. I didn't always find that appealing, but yeah, I agree that the art design is very nice. Uh, some of the developers, other games are like the Samorost games. I don't know if I'm saying that name right, um, but they make other kind of point and click puzzle games like rocket man, the quest for the rest, Botanicula. Um, there's a game called Chuchel that I've always found uh, appealing visually. I really like the look of their games. And um, I I want to revisit Machinarium at some point and finish it because I feel like I owe that mm-hmm. to the game. I've I've started it twice actually. Yeah. Uh, let me. I've played this on PS3. I played it this time on PS4. Uh, it's on Switch. It's on iOS. It's on Mac, Linux, Windows, Android, Xbox One, PlayStation Vita, Wii. I mean, it's on everything. PlayStation Three. You can, you can 3, play it 4. on an iPad. Yes, you can play My it on a, on a BlackBerry playbook if you want. This is this is available in a lot of places. Um, very, it's a it's a fun casual game. It is. I wouldn't take it too too seriously. Yeah. All right. Well, that is Disco Cola's secret game, Machinarium. He rated it an eight out of ten. It's time for my secret game, Disco. And there is actually a similarity between all three games we're talking about on this episode. Okay. Actually, there are a couple. Uh, similarities. One is that they are all puzzle games uh-huh. in some way. Uh-huh. The game I picked has a lot of synergy with our cooperative game, which is Manifold Garden. And all three games I'm noticing start with the same two letters. Oh. Yeah. M-A. Interesting. My secret game is Maquette. I haven't heard of this game. Maquette is a 2021 first-person puzzle game developed by Graceful Decay. It's their first game, and it's published by Annapurna, who we're big fans of. They are a great publisher with lots of interesting indie titles, and I'm sure that they will show up on this podcast a lot as we get further on with our episodes. But in Maquette, it is a first-person puzzle game where you explore various moments of a couple's relationship by interacting with small model versions of their memories. Every change you make to the model, or maquette, also changes the larger world around it, and the environment, interactable items, and even yourself as the player can change scale in various ways to approach puzzles from new perspectives. 
So the gameplay in Maquette is hard to describe, but I will do my best. So Disco, imagine you're standing inside of a dome and you see a table with a small scale model of the dome you're standing in and the areas surrounding it. That's the maquette. And you can see miniature buildings. You can pick up certain objects within it. You can place them elsewhere on the table. And as you move objects around, their actual sized counterparts outside the dome change in real time. And similarly, when you adjust something outside the dome, its corresponding part inside the maquette changes. You can go a step further and objects can be picked up outside the dome and brought to the maquette or vice versa to change their scale. And some of the most fascinating puzzle solutions come from finding familiar items that are used in very unfamiliar ways. So for instance, there's a puzzle where you find a key and the key opens a door, but then you take that key to the maquette and you can place that key onto the scale model in the maquette and it becomes a bridge that lets you access a previously inaccessible area. Um, I have to say these mechanics feel very unique to the puzzle genre. There's one world, but you experience it in three ways. You see the miniature version, you walk outside and you have an actual size version you can play around with. And eventually there's a level beyond that where the player is very tiny and sees the world as this intimidatingly massive place. One of my favorite feelings from puzzle games is the magic of when you think of a solution that seems far-fetched, but then you try it out and you have that surprising feeling when you realize you were correct, your intuition was right. This game has that in spades. There were so many times where I would get a little stuck and I would think, well, if I made this game, I would do it this way, but I doubt that's the case, but I'll try it out anyway. And I would be right. And that was so satisfying. And as someone who enjoys thinking outside the box, um, puzzles in this game were often rewarding. Um, I have to say, though, it's not all seamless because there are so many variables in how you can scale the world and the items you can pick up and yourself. There are times where you might find a buggy solution to a problem um, in a way that the developer didn't intend or worse, you might get yourself stuck. Uh, I had to reload checkpoints a few times because key items got lost. Um, there's also a clumsiness with the controls. So jumping feels pretty weak in this game. And there were occasional times where I would have to redo hops over these simple gaps just because the jumping just didn't have the oomph that I wished it had. And sometimes picking up and placing objects can feel very blocky and jagged, especially when you're interacting with that maquette. Putting objects in there, sometimes they just bump into these really um, hard hit boxes and you have to maneuver yourself around them in a way. It feels like that you're kind of wrestling with the game at times. Um, but moving on to the story, each chapter of the game represents a milestone of some kind from the couple's relationship that you're exploring. Uh, much in the same way, the maquette is small scale. I appreciated that the story here is focused on something smaller rather than something big and existential and abstract like so many other puzzle games. Uh, disembodied voices of the couple reenact excerpts of their conversations from their time together. So you'll hear them have these conversations as you explore these memories. Um, the two share some believable moments thanks to some good voice performances from Bryce Dallas Howard and Seth Gable, who are married in real life. Um, since the story does focus on a specific premise, it can be a turnoff for people who are looking for a pure puzzle experience. Um, and eventually the couple does go through hardships and the gameplay and its world transform to reflect these low points of their relationship. I personally never found these heavier story bits insufferable. 
but they do occasionally interrupt the main attraction that is the puzzle experience and the resolution for the story didn't really have anything revelatory to say. So I wish it had built up to something better. My verdict here is that Maquette does things with scale and perspective that are worth seeing for any puzzle fan. There can be an awkwardness to how it feels to play and its attempts at a very personal story are not for everyone, but at the core, there's a great sense of wonder in looking at this world from multiple perspectives and then experimenting with how objects can be scaled and placed within it. It's a satisfying puzzle game that invites the imagination to run free. I rate this game a 7.5. Um, so looking at the gameplay trailer I sent you, mm-hmm. does that all make sense? Yes, yeah, that as all makes sense. And there's, I see ev- even more synergy between Maquette and, and our featured game tonight, Manifold Garden. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing you compare and contrast because the way you describe, you know, some of the gameplay mechanics in Maquette, I, I, I am thinking of my experience in Manifold Garden. Interesting. Um, one of the things that I'm curious about though, from a like world building perspective here in Maquette is, um, these little miniature models that represent all of these different points in a relationship mm-hmm. were those actively constructed by the couple? Do you see the couple? Are they the ones that constructed this world? Or is it just a a sort of like psychedelic representation of points in time of these like almost deity-like figures? Kind of yes and no. So first of all, you never see what the characters look like. We never see cutscenes with these characters. Sometimes the gameplay will break away to show like a scene being illustrated and then they're narrating over the top of it. And it's just, like I said, an excerpt from a moment in their relationship. Like maybe they're um, going out on a date for the first time and they're flirting or they're having their first fight. So we get that. All those kind of milestone moments we're seeing. As far as where this world comes from, that's where things get a little muddled because I think this game is played from the the man's perspective in the relationship. And it's set up early on that these are pretty like kind of art, artsy, artistic people. And they kind of have a scrapbook that they make together. They both illustrate and draw and, you know, they, they like making things. And so they that's how they documented a lot of their relationships. So part of this game is like, exploring the visuals through the, kind of like this storybook feel. And that's kind of where the maquette comes from. But I feel like it's really weakly tied to the maquette itself. You kind of see that there's this uh, storybook, like scrapbook going on, but they kind of abandoned that. It's not really committed to in mm-hmm. a way that I, I would have preferred. It could have been more consistent in that way. So I uh, wish it would have made more sense as far as like what, where is this kind of abstract world coming from? But I don't know that the game really also needs to explain yeah, every part of that. That doesn't sound like it matters too much. I was no, just curious about it. That's kind of what drives it, though. The game feels like it does need a reason to bring in this maquette. And the way it does that is through the scrapbook. I thought about including that in my story summary, but it was really convoluting things. So I left that out. Mm-hmm. So, does that make sense? Yeah. I and and also I did write down some uh, maquette comparisons to Manifold Garden, so I can get to those uh, if we have time. I think I'll get to those maybe like after I run through my overall thoughts of Manifold Garden. Sounds so good. Let's go to our cooperative review. Our cooperative review game is Manifold Garden. 
It is a first-person puzzle game developed by William Cheer Studio, first released in 2019 on its initial platforms. In this game, you have a wordless dimension of endlessly repeating abstract architecture and players change gravity in six directions and manipulate doorways, switches, portals, waterfalls, and more. As puzzles progress, the player can grow trees and bring color and other natural elements to a lifeless world. So, Disco, this game is interesting for so many reasons. Manifold Garden took at least seven years to make and largely started with just one person developing, William Cheer. Um, He added more personnel later. That fact alone is awe-inspiring. And then there's its look. This is a game that's inspired by so many art forms. Most people familiar with its marketing know that the developer is pulling off this M.C. Escher style. And William Cheer has noted other modern inspirations – Uh, such as games like Antichamber, Portal, Fez, and The Witness. He has even cited movies like Inception, Blade Runner, and 2001 A Space Odyssey. So my question for you, did this amalgamation of influences work to pull you into the game? And what were your overall thoughts of Manifold Garden? Uh, So the thing that had me interested and excited to play Manifold Garden in the first place were all of these visual inspirations because... Um, I, I was really fascinated by that repeating, you know, sort of very sharp edges repeating, you know, world, uh, and seeing how that, uh, translated into a game. And so, uh, yeah, I would say that it did pull me in. There were elements that that I wasn't expecting when I first started, like I wasn't expecting portal elements to play a role. I, you know, I didn't know what to expect as far as gameplay was concerned, but I definitely see the inspirations from Portal. I wasn't expecting to change gravity, but I can't imagine playing a game like this without being able to change gravity like we do. So yeah, I, yeah, of, of course it pulled me in. You know, it's a very visually fascinating game, it played a big role in, in why I wanted to play it in the first place. But my overall thoughts on Manifold Garden, like I said during Machinarium, I think ultimately puzzle games just aren't my favorite. All that being said, uh, I was very happy, sort of the the feeling that you talked about in Maquette, just sort of experimenting and finding solutions that I wasn't expecting. Because the cool thing about this is that I ended up getting through the entire game without using a guide. And uh, I was I was pretty proud of that. Like, I'm not... I'm not an idiot, but I'm not, you know, I'm not getting a MacArthur grant or anything sure, either. Sure. So... Um, I felt very proud to to get to the end of the game uh, without having to use a guide. That's not to say that I didn't get frustrated at many parts. There are certain puzzle elements that um, even once I figured out how to use them that I still hate. And, mm-hmm. and I think back on, on them uh, very poorly, and I, I do not miss those, those certain puzzle elements. I'm thinking of the, um, the giant blocks that you have to move with with manipulating gravity to ultimately like I hate those create the the channel of power yes um, despise that puzzle very mm-hmm. frustrated uh, you know if you I think it might still be on my Twitch you know channel if you if you <laughs> A go highlight yeah if you go look back you can you can hear me uh, cursing about it um, but yeah there's a lot of cool stuff going on uh, I love all the different colors I love that you are. Re- rescuing colors i there's there's a lot that's uh that's i haven't quite figured out about the game but i don't need to yeah. you know 
it's very abstract with its story, if it has one, but it does feel like you're doing something kind of noble. It feels like you're bringing life to a colorless world mm-hmm. or it's very minimal in color and you're growing these trees. Um, if there's a story here, it's I'd say it's really hard to spoil. I, I really don't think there is like a plot to I, this. I agree. I don't um, think there is. I was kind of thinking when I first started that I'm in like a like a purgatory area and maybe I'm, you know, unlocking gates to get out or something, but sure. That that holds up just about as good as anything else, I would say. Okay. Any other overall thoughts? I I don't think so. I want to hear what you have to say. Well, this is a game that impresses me simply because I can kind of imagine how logistically nuts it would be to pull this game off. Even as someone who doesn't develop games, it constantly feels like magic is just being performed under the hood to make it all work. And I don't know how it works, but I also recognize that there is magic going on. It's a puzzle game all about building stepping stones of logic. You methodically learn the ins and outs of how you manipulate this gravity. And it's not just you know up and down, it is six different directions. And the game gives you just enough environmental hints to guide you on what you should be solving. It's a masterclass in showing large scale while also not alienating the player. The world often stretches into infinity in all directions, but the game is designed in a way to guide players intuitively from place to place at the same time, which made me feel like I was a master navigator at times. Like, this is a this is a giant world that I'll never be able to explore all of. And I know it's all a visual trick, but I always felt like I had a clue as to where to go next. And that made me feel powerful. The game feels good and snappy to play. This is a contrast to Maquette. I'd say this game feels a lot better to play uh, than that one. There was a time or two when an essential item disappeared or didn't spawn for me, but overall the game feels very stable, which is noteworthy because you can endlessly fall in this game. This game becomes Portal. Mm -hmm. You can just jump into a chasm with crazy architecture whizzing by all around you that's where another strength of this game shines. It can give you this exhilarating sense of free falling. There were times where I felt my heart having that fluttery feeling when you go down a roller coaster, you know, um, the, the, since the free falling is essentially repeating bits of the world over and over, I never felt like accidentally falling was a mistake too. Mm-hmm. like that, that worry of, Oh, am I going to backstep into an endless pit? I, that, that feeling left me because I knew, Oh, I could always just catch my, um, footing again. Um, and pick up where I left off. So that's a freeing feeling. A huge part of this game is changing gravity and solving cube puzzles. Those aren't inherently innovative game mechanics. So this, the true strength of this game's design is in how it fits those mechanics into a world that pulls off a lot of technical tricks. The gravity changing is what contributed to my shorter overall play sessions with this game compared to other puzzle games, including Maquette. Um, so shifting perspective from floor to ceiling would sometimes really tire my brain out. And I just had to stop after like an hour of playtime. So Mm -hmm. I played this in hour long chunks. Um, The game is also so lonely that it would give me this recurring empty feeling. There's no spoken story, no real plot. You grow trees, you introduce natural elements to the world, and it's all very pretty to look at, but at times also left me feeling, but to what end? So my verdict would be that the game has striking imagery and you could pull any screenshot from this game, put it on your wall as decoration, and that would be awesome. 
and it has intelligently designed stages that subliminally communicate where you should go while making you feel like you have this awesome intuition, but its world is lifeless. So the motivation to continue feels like it's driven solely by its awe-inspiring design and the satisfaction of solving puzzles, which I thought ramped up in difficulty in a pretty logical fashion. So for any fan of MC Escher or Cube Puzzle (laughs) Games, I'd say this is a definite recommendation. I would rate Manifold Garden a 7 out of 10. I don't know what you rated it. I didn't rate it yet. Yeah, yeah, I, I suppose after hearing you talk, I remember that there were several occasions when I was playing this that I, I was like, oh, that's really intelligent design. It teaches you this thing here and adds this you know, variable here. And, and I remember saying that at least five or six times and being really impressed with, with a lot of the level design. At the same time, there are a couple of, of puzzle elements that were introduced that uh, were not explained very well mm-hmm. and took me a, a little bit of... of exploring to to finally figure out how to do it but ultimately in the end uh i also want to give it a seven um i think the music's very good uh i love i still love the visual style even though it wasn't told it didn't totally meet my expectations uh from the trailers and stuff it's still really pretty to look at it has it, it incorporates colors in really fun ways but you know just at times puzzles are frustrating for no reason, even though you know how to do them. Um, it's a little bit finicky to get to the solution to some of the puzzles so that you can progress. True, yeah, it does. And, and, and the ending, I don't feel like, paid off for me. It, mm-hmm. there's, there's a sequence, and it goes on uh, about three times as long as I feel that it has to. When thinking about the influences I spoke of at the top, talking about the, you know, the synopsis of this game, that's where I really saw the connection to 2001 A Space Odyssey. And the see, end, that's, the that's this, one I haven't seen yet. The end of this game is the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey. It is nuts. And, um, you know, I won't spoil anything about that movie, which is really abstract and open to interpretation. So it's kind of hard to spoil. But um, I saw the parallels there and I kind of appreciated it. But at the same time, yeah, kind of lacked personal meaning for me. I didn't find myself bringing any of my own experiences into the story and like having a connection in that way. Um, not that that's necessary, but um, it, it didn't do me any favors mm-hmm. in, in the ending department. So it, it felt like you were supposed to feel something, mm-hmm. but didn't. Yeah. It has this feeling of like wanting to be profound, uh, but maybe not, you know, it's, it's done in a way where you can't really express what happened. So yeah. it's hard to talk about the end. And there's actually two different endings depending on. There are, and I haven't gotten the other one yet, yeah, but so, I, I plan to. Um, so uh, most satisfying moments. I want to talk about these if you have any. Um, my first discovery that there were portals in this game. I didn't know that, you know, portal was going to be an influence in the way that it was, but it happens kind of out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You just go through this door and it doesn't look the same as when you walked in and there was this initial confusion, and then I look behind me and I go, "Oh, this game is—we're doing this now." Mm-hmm. That's—I—I I, I can dig that because I've done this before. It's a little bit of familiarity, but it's also changing up what I'm doing in this game. Yeah, yeah. And that's the one I was thinking of where I—I I felt confusion with a new puzzle element out of nowhere because uh-huh. I—I ran around that room with the like two or three portals like several times before I even realized what was happening. Uh-huh. And so I felt really frustrated when they introduced that. And and they only used it maybe two more times before the end of the game, I think. Yeah. Um, if there's a particular part of the game you don't like, a particular kind of puzzle you don't like, 
thankfully none of the puzzles are done that much Mm -hmm. relative to each other. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a good balance of how often the puzzles are used. You also talked about those platforms that change with certain directions of gravity and you have to line them up in a certain orientation to make a power chain, right? I hated those too. I hated those too. But thankfully, I can only think of like maybe three sections where those happened, you know? So get through those and you're pretty much home free. Yeah, Yeah. I I would say the whole rest of the game is just totally like pretty cool. There are a couple of rooms that are hard for me to find Mm -hmm. um, almost unnecessarily. But, you know, other than those gravity block puzzles, I found the rest of the game very tolerable, easy to figure out eventually, you know, with enough patience. Yeah, Um, I I did find myself kind of brute forcing solutions, I guess, especially with those awful platforms, but just trying every combination until something worked because I didn't want to change my perspective around to look at the whole world until I figured it out in my actual brain. I just wanted to, I'm going to try left and then down, and now I'm going to try down and then left. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wanted to kind of just try everything on autopilot to try to get some of those sections done. Um, All right. So I want to, I guess, do some quick comparisons with maquette. I think this is worthy of talking about since I did play these games in such close proximity both are first-person puzzle games, uh, but they feel like they were made by differently-minded people. So I feel like there's a left-brain versus right-brain thing going oh, on when you look okay. at these two games. So Manifold, I feel, is logic-based in its puzzle-making. Maquette feels like it's more creative and artistic-based. Yeah. Not just in how it looks, but also the themes of the story and the characters that it's based on. They both can feel isolating at times. Manifold for its actual sheer loneliness. Maquette for its ability to make you sometimes feel like an ant. Because like I said, there are three levels to how you um, scale yourself in maquette. You're kind of the big version looking down at the maquette, and then you're interacting with the actual size version. And then you can step outside into a third realm where you are just tiny crawling around. And that was sometimes uh, giving me that sense of just like feeling like, is it agoraphobia where you feel like you can't escape a situation? It was kind of like that. Um, and then Manifold has this organized, symmetrical, sterile environment, and you bring color to it. Maquette already has color and personality, and how much of that you have changes along with the story. There are times where you have less of that color, sometimes where the color comes back, depending on what the relationship is like in the story. Um, speaking of the story, Maquette has a very defined story experience, whereas Manifold is more abstract. And if I were to boil down all those points, I'd maybe go so far as to say Manifold is abstract in its story, but structured in its world, whereas Maquette is structured in its story, but abstract with its world. Hmm. So a little something to chew on there. Yeah, Yeah, that's a nice little... So I think these games complement each other really well. If you're on a puzzle kick, I think you could play through both games and have a good time like I did. I, I felt like after I played... Maquette, I was like, yeah, I'm in the mood to play Manifold now. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're kind of not a puzzle person or you've just played a puzzle game, and I, I wouldn't recommend playing these games then back-to-back after that. So, Any other thoughts on Manifold? I Garden? Yeah, I have nothing more to share. Uh, it, it was a good time. I'm, yeah. I'm all for color-coordinated cubes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great cube puzzler. It has beautiful music. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes. It, that's one of the first things you pointed out to me when you were talking very 
vaguely about your time with the game after you had a, a play session or two with it. Yeah, beautiful music. Um, that's one of my favorite aspects of the game as well. Disco, thank you for talking about those two games uh, that you played with me. That's our review of Manifold Garden. You can play it on PS4, PS5, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, Series X and S, PC, Mac, and iOS. We both rated it a 7. That's the end of this episode of Underplayed. You can find more of our episodes at kzum.org slash underplayed. Our music was composed by Jack Rodenberg. Our art comes from Onimochi. My name's Bo Poe, and you can find me on Twitter at Bo Poe. That's B-O underscore P-O. And I'm at Disco Cola on Twitter and Twitch, and you can find me streaming most nights of the week with these underplayed games. Disco Cola, next time on the show, we will have two more secret games to review. How about yes, that? Um, I have already picked my next secret game. I have not, oh. but... I have a lot in the genre that we are focusing on next time. So so you're going to try to have some synergy with our next cooperative game for episode four, which will be Axiom Verge, a Metroidvania game developed by Thomas Happ Games. Until then, everyone, keep on playing. (laughs) 